Um, the whole idea of the series is to recognize and to follow the voice of God. How vital it is in the midst of all the other noises and all the other voices that you're hearing to actually know that you've heard from God himself. Amen? And so we're uh, embarked upon this series, and of course last week uh, was uh, a, a week that we had a guest speaker and I was out of the country, so we want to pick up where we left off. And, and I really I don't want to spend a lot of time in review, but just because we had a missing week there in between, I do want to just review what we've covered so far so you're in touch with the series, all right? First of all, we began to make a case for the urgency of hearing from heaven and how that it's desperate that we learn to do that. We spent some time giving some Bible promises, uh, quite a few of them, Old and New Testament, of promises where God promises to guide his people, where God promises to give us a voice. Just two key scriptures that I'll highlight, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 says what? Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This verse was so important that Jesus chose to quote it when he was in the wilderness. Do you remember? As a defense against the enemy's temptations. What does this Bible verse tell us? It says that we're not to only be concerned about what we consume in terms of physical food. And we are very concerned about that, right? We are very attentive. We make sure we get three full meals a day plus snacks. So the point is we need to put an equal or a greater emphasis upon spiritual nutrition and nurturing. And the way that we do that is to what? Learn that we live and grow by hearing the words from God. What an important concept. John chapter 10, uh, my sheep, Jesus promises as the good shepherd, listen, or one translation says, they know my voice. The language there literally means that we hear it, recognize it, and pay attention to it. My sheep, how many of you are God's sheep? Raise your hand. If you're God's sheep, the Bible says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Aren't you glad that God is an intimate God? He says, I know you, and he knows you by name. He says, my sheep will listen, respond to my voice, and they'll follow me. This is a pretty high mark. As God's children, we're asked, not just asked, but by our nature, we are to be people who follow the Lord. And he's basically saying, a part of you following and obeying the Lord is to learn to tune into the frequency of God's voice for your life. We talked uh, from the New Testament also and the Old uh, about God frequently says that his people have hearing problems. God actually, through the prophets of the Old Testament, reminded by Jesus' words in the gospel, says, you're dull of hearing. There are even times that God rebuked his people by saying, you're deaf. You're actually deaf. You've actually shut off your hearing from me. And so we're encouraged to learn, to open up our ears. And if we need healing from dull hearing, we need to, we need to do that. We looked and studied from the life example of Samuel as, of course, he was... Uh, being mentored by Eli, the priest in the temple at the time. And God spoke to him. We learned three lessons from that case study of Samuel. Number one, that God desires to speak to his people today. Number two, that God's people frequently have difficulty in recognizing God's voice. 
I, I, I lost count. I think it was four different times that God spoke to Samuel and finally had to repeat his name a couple of times for him to really make sure he got the message. Eli not being a whole lot of help with that process. But anyway, people have trouble just like Samuel didn't know the voice of the Lord yet. Sometimes we are very similar to that. We have not yet come to the point of recognizing the voice of the Lord and how God speaks. And third lesson was that hearing God's voice requires a purposeful response. In other words, you can't, God speaks and you don't do anything about it. That's not the objective. The idea is that we hear from God and we respond. We obey. We follow. And as a result of that, we grow and we're more effective in that. Now, we started two weeks ago skip last week. So two weeks ago, we started on the subject of five different ways that God speaks today. So we're shifting to today, current, contemporary day, New Testament days, church age. How does God speak to his people? And so this is kind of a big macro look, but I just want to cover those five, and then we want to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. All right, we discovered, first of all, that God speaks to us through what? The written word. Through the Bible, this is God's word. Front to back, his inspired word. We found in 2 Timothy 3.16, maybe the most prominent scripture regarding the infallible, inspired nature of God's written word. All scripture is what? God-breathed or inspired by God, and it is profitable. And then, of course, we found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we also found that the Word of God is what? Um, I think the New International Version uses the phrase, it is alive and active. I like that. It is alive. God, this scripture is speaking of the logos, the written word of God, that the word of God is alive. Have you ever wondered why you can read a scripture that you've read a thousand times before and all of a sudden that scripture like just pierces your heart and you go, whoa, what was that? It's because it's alive, inspired by God. and The spirit of God can quicken that to your life and to your heart. So God's word is alive and it's active and it's powerful. And of course, we discovered that God's written word is his primary means and the final authority for communicating truth to us. So it is the, I, I may want to say it this way, it is the foundation for all the other ways that we hear God. It always goes back to being, being verified by scripture. And that scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 says that we need to prove all things and let God's word be our authority. And so it becomes the way that we vet. You have a vision or dream. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You have a vision or dream. You're not sure whether it's of God or not. You have to first of all ask the question, does it line up with scripture? Is it biblical or is it non-biblical or is it unbiblical? Um, we have to be very careful when things are extra biblical, but when it's unbiblical, we simply reject it and realize that we just probably had too many jalapenos on the pizza the night before. And that's how we have to figure those things out, right? So the written word is the foundational way, uh, and it becomes the basis of all other forms of communication. Um, the second means of hearing God today that God's how God speaks today, 
is the inward witness of the Spirit. We talked about this, and I explained to you in Proverbs 20, 27, that the inner man, the spirit man, the human spirit, which was once alive with creation, God designed your inner man to be your candle, your light, your GPS system. But due to sin, it was shut down and became dormant until Christ came to relight the candle. So the lamp was extinguished at the fall of Adam. And only through new birth does the candle get relit. And so now he has relit the candle, and it is God's intention that our human spirit, now through regeneration, connected with the Holy Spirit, becomes our primary GPS system for walking and living and how do we make decisions and how do we do we turn left or do we right do we marry her do we marry him how do we choose a job how do we know what to do when to do do we witness just randomly or do we do are we led by the spirit to witness or what church do we go all these things that we need to have guidance we need help from heaven on he gives us the presence of the holy spirit that is on the inside of you turn to your neighbor and say he lives in you And if he doesn't yet, we'll give you a chance for that to happen later, all right? He lives in us. We've been recreated, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We are new creatures. Old things passed away, all things become new. Have you ever noticed in that scripture, it's a little confusing because you think, I look the same that I used to look. You even talk the way you used to talk. What is so new about us? It's on the inside. Old things have passed away. Your old sins have passed away for sure. But the old you is passed away, and you've been recreated now on the inside. And the idea is that that recreation would filter its way through your thinking and your emotions and your decision-making and the rest of your life. Isn't that a wonderful truth to know that we're reborn, have a recreated spirit? So on that human spirit, it has three original primary functions that human spirit was designed for communion for conscience and intuition now that the lamp has been relit god gives us that inward witness using that spirit now that spirit will come into play uh, in other ways but i want you to just understand as we talked about two weeks ago this is a very common means for god to speak to you now what i want to clarify is that this particular way or means is more subjective. Whereas written scripture is objective, this inward witness is subjective. And some of you are not maybe yet trained to discern, oh, that, that may, those were just my emotions. Did you know that God uses your emotions? Oh, that was just my mind. What, do you think God's going to work apart from your mind? And we'll get into that in another week or two, all right? How to distinguish. But, but what I want you to understand today is that God wants you to hear him, but this inward witness has to do more with a subjective sense. This has to do with an impression, a, a, a sense, a discernment. Uh, um, uh, it, it usually is not, it is, I, I would almost say exclusively, not an articulated message. But yet it is a message. So God may be saying, warning, 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 warning. Sometimes I like to think of this, there's just like this alarm system. 
that's like a loud buzzer sometimes, just goes off. Or if it's something that's, uh, that God's doing that's wanting to confirm, there is even this sense of sweetness or this impression on the inside of you of, wow, this is wholesome, this is right, this is good. Uh, sometimes you'll be impressed. The Holy Spirit will just speak and bear witness on the inside of you about a person, about, oh, I need to talk to her today. You don't have, God didn't say, turn left, go five yards, speak these words. That's not what I'm talking about here. But you have this inward sense, this intuitive spiritual intuition to do something. One more scripture I didn't provide to you the other week, so I'll just give it now. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit Himself, the Spirit, Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness... With our spirit, you see the distinction there? Holy Spirit, our spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Have you ever heard someone say, I just don't know if I'm really saved or not? Well, we have two validity checks. One is scripture. Have you, have you fulfilled what the Bible tells you to do, to be born again, to be a child of God? Number two, is there an inward witness that says to you, yes, I belong to God. There's just that witness that God is my heavenly father and I have a connection to him and I have a relationship with him. This is such an important means for hearing God's voice. The third one, which we began talking about, and I just want to add to it briefly today, is the voice of the Spirit. Not to be confused with the inward witness of the Spirit. This is more of a voice. Did you know that your inner Spirit and the Holy Spirit have a voice on the inside of you? God, through your inner Spirit, can speak to you. And this, as opposed to the last one, includes articulate words. It may be one word, it may be a phrase, or it may be a paragraph. But God's voice, you can begin to learn to train your hearing to hear his messages. And I gave you a couple of scriptures uh, the other week, uh, and, and I'll, um, I'll just add one. We gave you a couple of examples from, from examples in the book of Acts uh, for example, in Acts 28, 26, when the uh, angel spoke to the, uh, of the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to go a certain way, and then it says, after that, the angel spoke, then it says, and then the Lord said, that's the chariot, go, chase it. Right there, that's the one. Here we have a combination, in a moment we'll talk about angelic visitations <laughs> of, of another category. But here we see two, we have the extraordinary but then we have the Spirit of the Lord simply saying to Philip, he's speaking these words, that's the chariot, go after that chariot. I remember I'd been traveling for almost 10 years full-time, ministering around the world in different ministry opportunities uh, as of 2001, since 2001 for about 10 years. During that time, I'd done some final uh, uh, doctoral work on an academic level and so I've been traveling and uh, doing consulting, working with churches and ministries across uh, the land. And um, the Holy Spirit began to nudge me. That would be the inward witness. I began to feel this nudging that there was something, something new, a transition. Have you ever felt that? Transitions coming. 
It's not an articulated message, but you have the sense of, hmm, I don't know what this is, but there's something, there's some movement coming or anticipating something. And so then I just begin to press the Lord. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. And then I began to notice that uh, I just began to have my heart just uh, massaged, if I can say, by the Holy Spirit to a way that I knew something was right on the edge. And then I received an email from someone regarding a position that was open at Regent University, a brand new position with a new president, and they're wanting to ground the faculty with the core values of the university, and they're looking for a certain kind of person. So I thought, well, I'll look at the the position description. So I did, and while I was reading the position description, the Holy Spirit said, apply for that job. Just like that, apply for that job. Now, I started arguing with that. Do Do any of you ever negotiate, try to, negotiate with God when you hear stuff? Don't try, okay? That doesn't work well, all right? So God spoke it to me and said, apply, for, and I'm like, what? And I'm still looking. I said, I don't know enough. To, I don't even know enough to apply whether I want to do that. The implications of doing that means I'm not doing this, I'm doing this and this, all kinds of question marks, right? But the Holy Spirit just kept speaking that to me. And so the more that I read about the position and then I uh, followed what the Lord spoke to me and I applied for the position. And within the next 30 days, boom, it happened. And I was, went through the interview process and I was far less qualified than some of the other candidates. But the president said, you're the one I want. I said, well, the Lord told me. The Lord told me to apply for this job. Now, it's interesting, he didn't tell me to take it, by the way. (laughs) That was something I I had to walk out. So uh, sometimes we really are desperate. We want a special voice on things, and he doesn't provide that. So don't get upset. It's just this this walk is a spirit-led walk, and we have to understand that there's God deals with us different ways at different times and different means. And so I want you, as a purpose for this series, I'm really interested. This, number two, the inward witness of the Spirit, and number three, the voice of the Holy Spirit, are the areas that I want to really help you tune your ears into. Okay? We'll always have the written Word of God. I've established that as a primary means that God has already spoken to us. But how does He speak today in addition to what we already have in Scripture? And I want to focus on that because that's where I find a lot of people just don't have the skill sets, just haven't learned to tune in to the right frequency yet. And so hopefully by the end of the series and in the middle of November, we'll be able to to get to that point and we'll learn how to avoid the pitfalls and all the rest of that stuff. So I want to add one scripture uh, to this one. Uh, Let's see, is Acts 10 up there? Yeah, I I love the one in Acts chapter 10 and verse 19 when, when God sent Peter to the house or Cornelius. He had just seen, Peter had just seen, do you remember the vision, which would be the next grouping of here, the extraordinary measures. He had a vision, and he saw a sheet come down with all these forbidden animals. I've heard people actually tell me that they're on the sheet diet. I won't go there. All right. So the Lord said, rise and eat, kill and eat. In other words, anything that's on there, everything on there were things that the Jews didn't eat. So he has this vision, supernatural, extraordinary. Ooh, he 
you see this sheet coming down? All these weird animals on it. And the Lord said, rise and eat. God wasn't interested. God was interested in him adjusting his theology to fit with what God was doing and saying. And uh, also to prepare him to reach out to some Gentiles. The first one's being Cornelius and his family. After he gets the vision. So after he has the vision, this is what, this is what he hears. The Lord, it says that while Peter was still thinking about the vision, I would be too, right? You had that, you'd be like. The Spirit said to him. Now, do you see that? That's, that is a message. That is an articulated voice from the Holy Spirit speaking to him on the inside. I'm absolutely convinced it's not audible. That's not audible. We'll talk about that more in just a second. So the Spirit said to him, Simon... Three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them. I have sent them. Now, can you... That is specific. Do this. Go there. There are going to be three guys down there. When he spoke to Ananias to go and minister to Saul, he actually gave him the address to go to, the hotel, where the address was. Go to this street. I think we have a lot of room to grow comes to hearing clearly what God wants to speak to us. Uh, I love John chapter 16, verse 13. This is another new one I added to just bring fuller explanation today. The Spirit, the, the, the Scripture is speaking in generally of the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' words. And he says, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, everybody knows the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. It's one of his titles. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. So here we have a promise about his guidance. For he will not speak of his own authority, speaks of the authority of, of, of the Father. He's not speaking of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever who hears? Whatever the Spirit knows the Godhead wants to speak to us, he then speaks. Incredible. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you, he will tell you of things to come. He's interested in even warning you of things that are coming in your life to be avoided. He'll tell you of things that are good things that are coming. But the point is, he spoke, and here Jesus is saying, this is one of the things you can expect and anticipate from the Holy Spirit is he's going to speak to you and he's going to guide you into truth. Just expect it. Do you expect it? I hope you do. Let me mention here that the spiritual gifts, uh, the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, almost exclusively all of those gifts operate by hearing. How do you think you receive a word of knowledge? Don't want to digress too much here into the gifts. A word of knowledge is simply a, 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 a microscopic piece of God's all-knowing, and it is a word that the Spirit needs you to know at a particular moment in time. And so He, the Holy Spirit, gives you a word of knowledge. Maybe it's there's someone, uh, this person needs this. 
or this is going to happen, or this is what you do. That word of knowledge, to receive, if I'm the instrument, you're the instrument, and you're trying to receive the word of knowledge, what do you have to be able to do? Hear. If you're not hearing, you ain't getting it. And God's not able to use you fully the way I believe he would like to in these days. He is a supernatural God. You say, this sounds awfully weird. It's not weird. It's only weird if you haven't been learned in it and trained in it. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And through that, words of knowledge, words of, words of wisdom, words of prophecy, all of these different things, these different gifts, will come through hearing. Sometimes an inward witness, for example, a gift of healing, you may actually sense that someone needs prayer for healing, and you feel this inward witness that says, there's someone here, there's something God's wanting. The impression is God wants to heal something, someone. What something's going. And you don't have any real clear articulated word, but that is maybe the inward witness of the Spirit. But I found when you step out on even the inward witness, many times then the voice of the Holy Spirit will come and say, do this, pray this way, what's this, what about this? He'll give you exact discernment through the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. I shared with you two weeks ago that the first time I ever heard the voice of the Spirit was when I was called into ministry in 1972. Very first time. I knew the inward witness of the Spirit. I'd been convicted and felt things, but really didn't know what all it was about. But, but in, in the summer of 1971, God visited me, filled me with the Holy Spirit, had this grand encounter with God that just opened up a whole new dimension one year later, I'm on, the way to, I'm on the way to do something else, and God interrupts me. How many of you know God can interrupt us? He interrupts me, changes my well-laid, well-conceived, well-managed plans. Said, no, you're not going to do that. I want you to do this. And I was shook to the core because I heard for days, I tried to talk myself out of, this couldn't be God speaking but it was and since then i've learned to rely now on the voice of the holy spirit yes there are times that i wish i'd hear more and i'm sure it's not god's problem it's mine and sometimes god doesn't speak for seasons he doesn't want you to develop a lifestyle uh kind of that's based on convenience or that's based upon, you know, God will just tell me, casual presumption. But there are times that you'll go through seasons, and you're, you may have heard before, and like, you go through this dry season, you're like, is, is it me? Is it God? Sometimes it's just a season, and you just have to allow God to take you through that season, and, and he'll come back and refresh and, and, and redirect. It's powerful. I could give you so many other examples of that. I do want to get to the second two, the last two of our list before I wrap up today. And I think we can cover them fairly quickly. First one is wise counsel, number four. This is the fourth means of God speaking today. One of the ways that God speaks to us is receiving wise counsel from people through human beings. Proverbs, just a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, For lack of, a gu lack of guidance, a nation falls. 
That solicits commentary, but I don't have time. All right. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many counselors. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools always seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The, probably the best known one is Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail. Listen to this. Plans fail. Your plans, your plans fail because you don't get enough counsel. They plans fail due to lack of counsel. But with many advisors... With many advisors, they succeed. Wow, do you see the emphasis on the, using wise counsel? Where does this counsel come from? It can come from a friend. It can come from a pastor. It can come from a Christian counselor, a, a, a therapist. Um, and by the way, it doesn't always have to come through a Christian. There are times that... In certain arenas of life, what I've learned is there's different people that I go to for counsel in different areas. So, for example, someone who might really have really, really spiritual, really mature, if I have a question about business or finance, I don't want to go to them, okay, for reasons. But I want to find someone who has the expertise, the knowledge, the base, that that's who I want to go to if I have a business question. If I'm interested in, in real estate, making a real estate purchase, I'm going to go to people that I trust who, are, who specialize and have experience in real estate, and I'm going to go in. I'm not going to just go say, I'm going to fast for 40 days and try to get something from God about I may also do that, but I just need to go for counsel. I mean, I've got two realtors sitting right here, so, man, I've got a lot of good options here. <laughs> Find a good realtor, sit down with them who we'll have years of experience, say, I need your advice about this decision. Christian counselors, pastors, godly leaders, people that you have an accountability partner with. My advice on this is, Always receive counsel from mature, godly people, unless it's a situation where it's specialized counsel and there's an unbeliever involved. And I've gone to many unbelievers and gotten better counsel than I did from Christians. In certain matters. Not about, not about scripture, theology, or spiritual practice, but about something in the natural realm. Find sources for good, reliable, wise counsel. I'm shocked at today. You know, there was a season when counsel was very highly regarded. I'm actually concerned today. I see less utilization of people looking for good, wise counsel than, than maybe back 10, 20 years ago. I don't know why that is. I think maybe media, Internet, people think, just go to the Internet. I, don't even get me going, all right? Find reliable sources of good, mature expertise and counsel. And it's a way that God speaks. One quick example. I remember in 2002, I was trying to determine. Um, I was traveling and ministering uh, more apostolically at the time. And I was trying to determine whether or not I wanted to pursue a doctorate degree. Big decision. A lot of money. A lot of time. I just wasn't sure. And I had struggled to find a program that fit. Because I had to, it had to be hybrid, had to be um, both online, and I wanted some on campus and a mixer. 
And I began to look and look, and I just couldn't get help. So finally, I thought, you know, I really, I want to go to someone who could give me some good advice about this. And I'd known for many years the dean of the School of Education was at that time the dean of the School of Education at Regent University, Dr. Alan Arroyo. And he was a good friend, and I'd pastored him, and so we had a good rapport and relationship. And uh, so I sat down with um, Dr. Arroyo, and I just said, here's my situation. I laid it out, and I said, what, do you, what would you advise me to do? And at that point, I'm, I was clueless about... Uh, I'm, you know, whether I wanted in, uh, a doctor of education or whether I wanted to go for a, uh, a Ph.D. or I had all kinds of options. Did you know that in 30 minutes, in 30 minutes, I got more from Dr. Royal than I had gained in the previous six months of trying to research it on my own? Yeah. And he just like, Bobby, here's your choices. Here's what I tell you about that. Here's what I tell you about this. And I said, where, are there, are there any good accredited universities where I could accomplish this the way that I need to accomplish it. And I told him what God had already told me. God had already spoke to me and said, don't go, don't do your doctorate degree at a, grad, at a Christian university. I had that as a word from the Lord. Amen. You see how these work together? So God had spoken to me, don't go to a Christian. I'm not saying that's true for you. I'm just saying for me, God told me, don't go to a Christian university for your doctoral terminal degree. So I told him what God had already told me. He said, great, here's some options. And he gave me two options. He said, I think, you'd find, I think you'd find this to be great in these. I can tell you from my knowledge, I would in a moment, I would hire someone with degrees from these two universities. I said, Dr. Roy, thank you so much. I went out. I, over the next 30 days, I prayed through it. I obviously tried to make the right decision. But I, the counsel that I got in that moment is that's what turned it for me. Within the next six months, I was in a doctoral program within five years. I was finished and done, had my degree. So I'm just showing you that counsel can make all the difference in the world. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to go to, my time is up, but I just want to introduce this, and I know I don't want to frustrate you, so I'm just going to introduce it. I'll wrap it up next week before we shift to talking about the results of hearing from heaven, which I'll cover next week. But I want to introduce this to you so you maybe, maybe you can even just note a few of these scriptures on your own. And uh, in the week, meditate on it, and we'll come back and revisit them next Sunday. The fifth and final way God speaks there are through extraordinary manifestations. These are supernatural measures that are, as I said, extraordinary. I sometimes call them special guidance. Special guidance. And they fall into really the categories of these. Visions, dreams, angelic not just an angelic visitation, but it's an angelic visitation with a message or direction involved. And prophetic uh, messages, particularly those that are directed. And so this Bible speaks prolifically to the shock of many conservative evangelicals today. Speaks prolifically through the New Testament of God speaking through extraordinary measures. It's not just Old Testament stuff. It's New Testament stuff. I could have listed 25, 30 Old Testament examples. But in the New Testament, angelic visitations. Acts 8.26, Acts 10.3, Acts 12.1-16. For example, in Acts 12.1-16 uh, is where, where Peter's imprisoned. God sends an angel to Peter in the deepest dungeon of the prison. Go back and read it on your own. Extraordinary story. He goes all the way in there. He actually have to wake Peter up. 
I know he never wakes Doug up. You were just snoring, though, Doug. Uh, woke him up. Peter, get up. Get dressed. Let's go. Peter's kind of like in a daze. And he literally has to guide him. Come on with me. Get your shoes. Don't forget your coat. Come on. He guided him all the way out. He's talking to him. The angel. Nick, the angel is talking to Peter, guiding him, goes supernaturally through the gates like, poof. You're looking at me weird. Go read it on your own. Acts 12. Through the gates, gets him to the outside and puts him out on the street, and then the angel goes, no more needed. Angels don't usually hang around if they're not on assignment. And all of a sudden, the angel disappears, and here's Peter. And so what he does, he, you know the rest of the story. He goes and finds the prayer meeting, house meeting going on, and the rest is history. There are many examples of angelic visitations where an angel... Now, I have to tell you, I have never... I've seen angels. The Lord's opened up my eyes to see angels a couple of times. But I've never had a message from an angel. So the warning I would give you here is don't... Sometimes I find Christians, they're like, Ooh, extraordinary mass. Who? This is where I want to live because you know I. I believe all of these are common. Some more common than others, but I would warn you about living, uh, camping out there, apart from the other means that I've talked to you about, because some people. Um, are, are so heavenly minded about these things, there are no earthly good. And so you just have to be careful. Some people can get really spiritually wacky, you know, without real good discernment and real good grounding, they can get wacky on you. And, and, and my experience is if you're seeing angels every day, you probably need some ministry. Probably. <laughs> probably. I do know one or two people that actually see angels continually. But it's rare, all right? Uh, we'll look at these others. There's also visions and dreams. And uh, we'll look at those next week. And then there are also prophetic messages where God is speaking through a gift of prophecy, which is the Spirit speaking through an individual to someone, and God is ministering truth in some form. So we'll look at all uh, three of those types under this category of extraordinary manifestations. We'll go a little bit more into depth. I'll give you some personal examples, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. All right. Y'all ready to pray? How many of you want to hear God more? How many want to tune your hearing more? I do. Oh, I'm desperate to want to hear. Sometimes we hear everything but God. You, you know, sometimes just take a break from your smartphone and hear God. Less time on the internet, more time in the prayer closet would do us all a lot of good. All right? Would you stand with me in prayer? I want our prayer teams to come and stand at the front as we close. If you have needs for special ministry, or maybe you need to come to Jesus so you make sure you have a born-again spirit on the inside of you, you come for prayer. Do I have prayer teams? Are they coming? Yes, they're coming. They're moving. Great. We're in good shape. So you come as I close our service in prayer. I want you to feel free to come receive prayer from one of these teams here. They'll all be on each side of the, of the front here. And um, let's just pray over our hearing for a moment.
could you just by an kind of an act of obedience and surrender, consecration, put your hands, if you want better spiritual hearing, put your hands over your ears. Don't plug them, but just place your hands over your ears. As, and, and I know we're not talking about physical hearing. We're talking about spiritual ears, right? Can we just ask the Holy Spirit to do something with our hearing? Lord, today as we place our hands over our ears, it's symbolic of our desire to consecrate our spiritual hearing. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those ears that have been dull, hard of hearing, or even deaf due to circumstance or trauma or disappointment, whatever it may be. Today, we pray for the piercing, the penetration, the opening and healing of our spiritual hearing to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the inward witness on the inside of us. Lord, we want to be hearers in 2015. Hearers. Lord, you tell us in Hebrews, there's a lot I want to tell you, but you're just too dull of hearing to speak it. Lord, we don't want to be in that group. But Lord, we dedicate our ears, our spiritual ears to you. And we say, Lord, speak to us and help us in this time as we're focusing on this important subject. And Lord, be patient with us. And we ask that we would be learners and that we'd also be obedient hearers. We ask for that. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you this week. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday. Enjoy your journey groups this week. I've gotten so many wonderful reports. Don't forget to attend your journey group. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Don't forget the teacher.